Hi, and welcome to Seeking the Gospel Truth. I'm Giselle Aguiar. We've been going through the Old Testament, seeing how Jesus and his gospel factors into every story. If you've missed any of them, search through the podcast or vlog for the studies on the books of Genesis through Ruth. As we continue God's story, which is really our story, I am changing how we go through the bulk of the rest of the Old Testament. If you read the Bible from cover to cover, the historical books get a bit confusing as the timeline isn't straight. My goal is to, as for the next studies, is to do them in historical sequence. So we'll bounce around the Old Testament, but the stories will make better sense. Jesus is the hero of the entire Bible, and we'll find him everywhere as we go along. Um, you'll also see how the Old Testament sets us up for the New Testament. And I've covered most of the New Testament, and you can find those studies along with podcast playlists on my blog. I pray that as you hear this message, it will inspire you to study the Bible daily for yourself. Seek the truth. I pray that God opens your heart and eyes and mind to understand what his spirit is trying to tell you. And as you become rooted in the word, you'll also be rooted in hope, joy, and peace. Let's dig in. First Samuel 25. Lord, restrain us from doing something evil, sinful, foolish, stupid, or idiotic. We started our historical trek through the Old Testament with Hannah pleading with God to have a child. She promised to dedicate the child to God if he would bless her. He did, and she did. That child was Samuel, whom we followed as he grew up helping Eli in the tabernacle and then became a priest and judge over Israel. We also witnessed Israel's transition from a theocracy, where God ruled, to a monarchy, where a king rules. The people wanted a king, and God told Samuel to anoint Saul. Saul, however, disobeyed a direct order from God, and God removed the Holy Spirit from him. Subsequently, God told Samuel to anoint the next king, a young shepherd named David. In today's chapter, Samuel dies. So we all die. Where our souls spend eternity is really up to us, either heaven or hell. But that's not the topic of today's story. Today, we meet a restrainer. In yesterday's story, the Holy Spirit restrained David from killing Saul when the opportunity presented itself in the cave. Here, we have a different restrainer. And I'll tell you about the restrainer that's in today's world and what will happen when he is removed. Let's dig in. 1 Samuel 25, Samuel dies and a fool angers David. Now Samuel died and all Israel gathered for his funeral. They buried him at his house in Ramah. Then David moved down to the wilderness of Maon, also known as Paran. There was a wealthy man from Maon who owned property near the town of Carmel. He had 3,000 sheep and 1,000 goats, and it was sheep shearing time. This man's name was Nabal, and his wife, Abigail, was a sensible and beautiful woman. But Nabal, a descendant of Caleb, was cruel, crude and mean in all his dealings. And you remember who Caleb is? Caleb was one of the two spies, the second one being Joshua, who actually trusted God. So Caleb was a good guy. Um, uh, anyway, verse 4, when David heard that Nabal was shearing his sheep, 
he sent 10 of his young men to Carmel with this message for Nabal. Peace and prosperity to you, your family, and everything you own. I am told that it is sheep shearing time. While your shepherds stayed among us near Carmel, we never harmed them, and nothing was ever stolen from them. Ask your own men, and they will tell you this is true. So would you be kind to us since we have come at a time of celebration? Please share any provisions you might have on hand with us and with your friend David. David's young men gave this message to Nabal in David's name, and they waited for a reply. Who is this fellow David? Nabal sneered at the young man. Who does the son of Jesse think he is? There are lots of servants these days who run away from their masters. Should I take my bread and my water and my meat that I have slaughtered for my shearers and give it to a band of outlaws who come from who knows where? So David's young men returned and told him what Nabal had said. Get your swords, was David's reply as he strapped on his own. Then 400 men started off with David and 200 remained behind to guard their equipment. Meanwhile, one of Nabal's servants went to Abigail and told her David sent messengers from the wilderness to greet our master, but he screamed insults at them. These men have been very good to us, and we never suffered any harm from them. Nothing was stolen from us the whole time they were with us. In fact, day and night, they were like a wall of protection to us and the sheep. You need to know this and figure out what to do, for there is going to be trouble for our master and his whole family. He is so ill-tempered that no one can even talk to him. Abigail wasted no time. She quickly gathered 200 loaves of bread, two wineskins full of wine, five sheep that had been slaughtered, nearly a bushel of roasted grain, 100 clusters of raisins, and 200 fig cakes. She packed them on donkeys and said to her servants, go ahead, I will follow you shortly. But she didn't tell her husband Nabal what she was doing. As she was riding her donkey into a mountain ravine, she saw David and his men coming toward her. David had just been saying a lot of good and did to help this fellow. We protected his flocks in the wilderness and nothing he owned was lost or stolen, but he has repaid me evil for good. May God strike me and kill me even, one, even if one man of his household is still alive tomorrow morning. Welcomes Abigail. When Abigail saw David, she quickly got off her donkey and bowed low before him. She fell at his feet and said, I accept all blame in this matter, my lord. Please listen to what I have to say. I know Nabal is a wicked and ill-tempered man. Please don't pay any attention to him. He is a fool, just as his name suggests. But I never even saw a young, the, uh, the young man you sent. Now, my Lord, as surely as the Lord lives and you yourself live, since the Lord has kept you from murdering and taking vengeance into your own hands, let all your enemies and those who try to harm you be as cursed as Nabal is. And here is a present that I, your servant, have brought to you and to your men. Please forgive me if I have offended you in any way. The Lord will surely reward you with a lasting dynasty for you are fighting the Lord's battles and you have not done wrong throughout your entire life. See, she stopped him there from really screwing up his entire life had he gone through with this. Even when you are chased by those who, who seek to kill you, your life is safe in the care of the Lord your God, secure in his treasure pouch. But the lives of your enemies will disappear like stones shot from a sling. 
when the Lord has done all he promised and has made you leader of Israel. Don't let this be a blemish on your record. The voice of reason. Then your conscience won't have to bear the staggering burden of needless bloodshed and vengeance. And when the Lord has done these great things for you, please remember me, your servant. David replied to Abigail, praise the Lord, the God of Israel, who has sent you to meet me today. Thank God for your good sense. Bless you for keeping me from murder and from carrying out vengeance with my own hands. For I swear by the Lord, the God of Israel, who has kept me from hurting you, that if you had not hurried out to meet me, not one of Nabal's men would still be alive tomorrow morning. Then David accepted her present and told her, return home in peace. I have heard what you said. We will not kill your husband. When Abigail returned home, she found that Nabal was throwing a big party and was celebrating like a king. He was very drunk, so she didn't tell him anything about her meeting with David until dawn the next day. In the morning when Nabal was sober, his wife told him what had happened. As a result, he had a stroke or a heart attack, depends on which version you're reading, and he lay paralyzed on his bed like a stone. About 10 days later, the the Lord struck him and he died. Really had a stroke and a heart attack. When David heard that Nabal was dead, he said, "Praise the Lord who has avenged the insult I received from I received from Nabal and has kept me from doing it myself." Nabal has received the punishment for his sin. Then David sent messengers to Abigail to ask her to become his wife. When the messengers arrived at Carmel, they told Abigail, "David has sent us to take you back to marry him." She bowed low to the ground and responded, I, your servant, would be happy to marry David. I would even be willing to become a slave, washing the feet of his servants. Quickly getting ready, she took along five of her servant girls as attendants, mounted her donkey, and went with David's messengers. And so she became his wife. David also married Ahinoam from Jezreel, making both of them his wives. Saul, meanwhile, had given his daughter Michael McConnell, how did he say it? Oh, shoot. Um, McCall, 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 M I C H A L. Anyway, David's wife to a man from Gallum named Paltai, son of Laish. Oh, well, anyway, points to ponder. So the name Nabal means fool or scoundrel. David all too quickly falls into sin and foolishness as he reacts angrily to the news that Nabal won't help him. Isn't that the way people react in today's world? Think about it. The CEO of a company says something that angers a small percentage of the population and immediately a boycott of that company is called for on social media. Nabal's wife becomes the intercessor and restrainer, a sensible and beautiful woman. How she ended up with Nabal, we'll never know. Probably an arranged marriage. How nice that she ends up with David. So the Holy Spirit, he is our restrainer. So today, born again, true Christian believers have the Holy Spirit in their hearts. He gives us wisdom and common sense. Both are sorely lacking in this world right now. I recently heard someone say that uh, AI or artificial intelligence may be smart, but it lacks wisdom and common sense. Think about that one for a bit. 
For me, as I mentioned yesterday, the Holy Spirit restrains me from acting foolishly on social media. All Christians need to pray each day in the Spirit for his help in restraining us from doing stupid and impetuous acts that will get us into trouble. Remember the fruit of the Spirit. The Holy Spirit in the hearts of believers is also holding back or restraining the Antichrist from rising into power. The man of lawlessness can't rise until the restrainer is gone. That's us believers. We'll be gone in the rapture. And as soon as we're gone, God's tribulation will start, as will the judgment of the world. Now, Paul wrote to the church in Thessalonica, Now, brethren, concerning the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ and our gathering together to him, we ask you not to be soon shaken in mind or troubled, either by spirit or by word or by letter, as if from us, as though the day of Christ had come. Okay, so it hasn't happened yet. That, that's what they thought back then. Let no one deceive you by any means, for that day will not come unless the falling away comes first. Now, that's the apostasy of the church, which is happening now. The man of sin and the man of sin is revealed. The son of perdition, that's the Antichrist, who opposes and exalts himself over all that is called God or that is worshipped so that he sits as God in the temple of God, showing himself that he is God. Do you not remember that when I was still with you, I told you these things? And now you know what is restraining, that he may be revealed in his own time. For the mystery of lawlessness is already at work. When you look around the world, you can see it. Only he who now restrains will do so until he is taken out of the way. That's the Holy Spirit in us, the believers. And then the lawless one will be revealed, whom the Lord will consume with the breath of his mouth and destroy with the brightness of his coming. That's all explained in the last chapters of the book of Revelation, which you can click on over to my blog and check out those um, studies that I did on that. And um, Jesus wins in the end. And just um, so the lawless one will be revealed, whom the Lord will consume with the breath of his mouth and destroy with the brightness of his coming. That's the second coming. Um, not the rapture, the second coming. The coming of the lawless one is according to the working of Satan with all power signs and lying wonders and with all unrighteous deception among those who perish because they did not receive the love of the truth, that they may be saved. And for this reason, God will send them strong delusion. Oh, God, it's more delusional now. That they should believe the lie. That they all may be condemned who did not believe the truth, but had pleasure in unrighteousness. I believe that the Antichrist is alive somewhere in Europe. Fortunately, I'll be gone when he is revealed. That's when all the trouble starts. So if you think that we're in trouble now, this is just a foretaste of what is to come. Check out my study on the book of Revelation. And it's in my blog. The question is, do you have the Holy Spirit in your heart? If you're not sure if you're saved or not, if you truly want to be born again and have the assurance of salvation, receive the Holy Spirit and get a one-way nonstop ticket to heaven because you know purgatory doesn't exist. And that you won't be left behind at the rapture, this is what you have to do. Invite Jesus into your heart 
and receive the gift and confident hope of eternal life. If you don't know what to say, if you don't know what to do, there's a prayer in the show notes, or you can click on over to my blog and click where it says, how to invite Jesus into your heart. Also at the bottom of today's blog, I have another wonderful teaching by Amir Sarfati of Behold Israel. And this one is, who is a restrainer? And he goes into a whole lot more detail on this. Soli Deo Gloria, to God alone be the glory. Thank you for listening to this episode. I pray that the Holy Spirit, the author of scripture, touched your heart to reveal the gospel truth that our hope of salvation is through Jesus Christ alone. If you have any comments or questions, feel free to reach out to me via my website or social media. I encourage you to read the Bible daily and seek the truth for yourself. I recommend that you download two free Bible study apps, the YouVersion Bible app and Through the Word. Friends, we are living in strange, crazy times, the last days, the end times. But know that things aren't falling apart, they are falling into place. Jesus said in Revelation 3, 20-22, Look, I stand at the door and knock. If you hear my voice and open the door, I will come in, and we will share a meal together as friends. Those who are victorious will sit with me on my throne, just as I was victorious and sat with my father on his throne. Anyone with ears to hear must listen to the Spirit and understand what he is saying to the churches. Jesus is knocking. It's up to you to open the door. Peter told us in 2 Peter 3.9, The Lord isn't really being slow about his promise, as some people think. No, he is being patient for your sake. He does not want anyone to be destroyed or perish, but wants everyone to repent. Jesus is coming back soon. Are you ready? Repent of your sins and invite Jesus into your heart right now. If you don't know what to say, there's a prayer in the show notes and on my blog. Jesus said in Matthew 24, 14, and the good news about the kingdom will be preached throughout the whole world so that all nations will hear it and then the end will come. Soli Deo Gloria, to God alone be the glory.